Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. All right, take your Bibles and meet me in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20, if you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you, and it's page 76 in that Bible. It's good to be back with you guys. We've been gone for a couple weeks. My family had some holidays, and uh, I'm always happy to have a break. I miss you when I'm not with you. I think about you when I'm away. And as we uh, were just kind of wrapping up the, the summer and spending some time with the family, it was good to have some downtime. And now as we come into fall, everything's kicking off, and uh, so it get, becomes a very busy time really quickly. Uh, since we saw you last, you might have seen this on social media, but uh, my wife officially passed her paralegal licensing exam and was sworn into the Ontario Law Society. So there's been lots to celebrate these last couple weeks, and uh, a lot of you were praying for that, and we're very grateful for that. So Sarah is continuing on and just thriving in what God has created her to be, and she's super pretty and smart at the same time, and very, very proud of her. Um, I thought Henry Peters and Pastor Xavier did an awesome job the last couple weeks, and they do great. I got a chance to listen to those, uh, both of those sermons. That Both of those men did an awesome job bringing the Word of God to us. So we're going to start our new series in a couple of weeks. This is just kind of a standalone sermon uh, that's been in my heart for a little bit to share. And so it'll uh, just be kind of on its own. And as we start, um, I really, I want to share with you a dream that I have. And it's really important to me. So I'm going to let you in a little bit. I'm going to open up. I hope you won't judge me too much by this. But I do want to let you know about a dream in my heart. Uh, and it's been in my heart for quite a while. I have not yet been able to fulfill it yet. I have not been able to get to that point. I am hopeful someday we will see what the Lord does, uh, but it is very, very sincere desire in my heart that I really, really, really want a king bed in my house. And my wife will tell you, like, I don't care about cars, I don't care about toys, I don't want a bigger house, but I talk about a king bed more than is probably reasonable. And we just don't have a bedroom that can handle it. Our bedroom fits a queen very nicely. Uh, I really, really want a king. And the reason I really, really want a king is because I don't sleep very well. I just never have. I just, sleep's always been a bit of a struggle for me, even, even since a kid. I'm a very light sleeper. I wake up at everything. And the biggest adjustment to getting married was there's another person in your bed the whole time. Did you guys know that? Uh, that is just there all the time. And so every little move or every little touch and I'm awake. And then once I'm awake, I'm just awake for a while. And so uh, anytime, we don't go away that often, but anytime we're at a hotel, like that's my only request, king bed. And they'll be like, that'll be $30 more. I'll say, I'll pay whatever you want, just king bed. And getting used to the adjustment of, of sleeping in a bed with someone was just not easy for me. My wife could fall asleep in a hurricane in 10 seconds. Like, she's one of those people that can just fall asleep anywhere, no matter what. I'm jealous. Uh, but it's not a gift that I have ever had. Now, how many here have a king bed? Is there anybody in here? Oh, so jealous of all of you people. And early on in the marriage, one night, uh, it was the middle of the night, we were asleep. And uh, Sarah woke up and looked over at me and just had a nice moment of just appreciating being married. I don't know exactly what she was thinking as she looked at me sleeping that night, but I imagine it was, I'm so lucky, oh, <laughs> so handsome and strong and 
what a wonderful husband in every way. And Sarah is a cuddler. I, I have become more of a cuddler. I'm not so much a cuddler, but touch is very important to Sarah. And so as she's having this moment, she just very lightly and very lovingly reached out her hand and just put it on my back as I lay there sleeping. And in the beauty of that moment, I woke up instantly and went, what are you doing? I just fell asleep. And she has heard that over and over and over again. Within the first year of marriage, it took us a while to figure this out, Sarah would have bruises all down her shins. <laughs> we, we didn't know what it was coming. We're like, maybe it's time to see a doctor. That doesn't look great. And it was because in her sleep, she might inadvertently touch me. And in my groggy sleep, I would kick her back to get her over on her own side. And we, we got the hang of it. She, she doesn't carry those anymore. But as we, we sort of started to figure it out. Uh, now, one thing I am noticing just as I get a bit older, that when I was 20 and I got three, four hours sleep, that was okay, right? You could do that. You could stay up till four and still be at work the next day, not be a problem. Uh, as I get closer to 40, I can't do that anymore. And the, the beauty of a night's sleep is actually really, really important. And when it becomes about, uh, do you want to go out tonight? Uh, part of the equation is, oh, I won't get to bed till 11 if we do that. So no, I'm going home and I'm going to bed. And just the value of that, that rest that is so important. When our kids were born, None of them slept. Neither one of them slept for like two years after they were born. They were the worst sleepers of all time. And we did every technique and everything. None of it worked. And then those parents would come along. They're like, my baby's been sleeping eight hours a night since three weeks. And it's like, oh, you're the worst right now. I'm not a violent person, but someone else should punch you in your face right now. <laughs> Because lack of rest, lack of sleep, just makes everything worse, right? When you're not sleeping, everything is worse. When you're tired, everything is worse. And beyond just the sleep, the lives that we live are busy lives, and they're frazzled lives, and they're stressful lives. And we worry about work, and we worry about kids, and about family, and about health, and about money, and about all these things that carry on. And we're busy, we're busy, we're busy. We're constantly working and doing activities and involved in things. And they may all be really, really good things, but when I talk to people and say, hey, how are you? One of the most common responses is, I'm tired. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm just kind of tired. Or, oh, I'm busy. Just busy. Life is busy. How was your summer? Super busy. How was your week? So busy. <laughs> We're just busy, tired, frazzled, stressed out people. And so what we do in our culture, which values hard work and values busyness and, and kind of exalts those things, what we do is we end up just sprinting for vacation time, right? And we've just come out of summer vacation. And listen, vacation time is great because we do need to take a break from work and we can take a break from our lives. The word vacation means we are vacating from our normal everyday life. And whether we go away or whether we're just home and, and just uh, taking a break from work or from activities, we are taking a step away from all that busyness, all that stress. And so then we come back to work and usually we feel pretty good. We've had a couple of weeks. Oh, maybe you slept in a little more. Uh, you've been able to turn the, the work brain on off a little bit. Uh, you've been able just to enjoy the rest and the fun and the family and had a good time there. But then inevitably, very quickly, we get right back into all the same stuff, all the same busyness, all the same stress, all the same frazzledness of life. And God didn't actually create us just to run vacation to vacation with a crazy, stressed out, frazzled life all the time. God actually built into the rhythms of our regular life a weekly vacation that he calls Sabbath. 
And the idea is that we shouldn't have to sprint for, oh wow, I've got two weeks coming up, nine months from now, I'm counting down until that day. It's that, you know what, in any given week, you are just a few days away from your next vacation that is supposed to be renewing and refreshing and restorative for your soul, where you turn off the busyness and the stress and the frazzledness of life, and you can actually just enjoy the, the peace and the refreshing that Sabbath can bring. So that's where we're going today. Let's take a look at our text. We're in Exodus chapter 20. This is Moses at Mount Sinai. He's being given the law, and we are right in the middle of the Ten Commandments as they are coming. This is the fourth commandment, starting in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So, fourth commandment in the Ten Commandments, and, and it is commandment. It's not the Ten Suggestions. It's commandment, commanded by God, that one day a week is to be holy. One day a week is to be different. And when we live the stress out of our lives, one of the things that tends to happen is we tend to, if we have to sacrifice something in our lives, we tend to sacrifice Sabbath. A lot of us do not honor Sabbath very well. And then we wonder, why am I tired all the time? Why do I feel stressed all the time? Well, one of the reasons probably is you are not doing what the Lord has called you to do. And when the Lord has commanded us to Sabbath, he has commanded us to that place for a reason. And Sabbath for many of us becomes like, well, I have to do some work because otherwise the work won't get done. Or I have to do a million things that day because that's the only day of the week that everybody's home and we got to do all our chores or we got to get all our errands done. And so we are not very good at honoring Sabbath in the way that the Lord calls us to Sabbath. But the way the Lord has designed this day is for it to be your vacation every week. And in a workaholic culture that really seems to, to exalt being super busy and exalt being all over the place and having a million things going on, Sabbath can be a bit harder to stick to. Sabbath can be a bit harder because uh, you're actually fighting against the culture. And there is something in us, I think, probably that wants to get things done and wants to work, and there's something in the world around us that's pushing us to that place, so it actually becomes very countercultural to say, I'm going to have a day of, of nothing. I'm going to have a day where I don't lift a finger. I'm going to have a day that truly will be a total break from all work. Dan Allender wrote a book called Sabbath, really good book if you want to dig deeper in the topic. And a quote from that book, he says, what would you do for 24 hours if the only criteria was to pursue your deepest joy? What would you do for a day if the criteria was for you to pursue your deepest joy? And not just in the sense of whatever you want to do, we'll come back to that. But that is the heart of Sabbath. There is something there that is about your soul. It is about your soul being refreshed and renewed. And that's going to look differently person by person. For some people, Sabbaths are very busy because they like doing lots of things. And so even if it's not work, it's, well, we're going to go visit this person, and then we're going to go there for lunch, and then we're going to do this or that. For some of you, Sabbath is, I just want a book on a dock on a hot day with a cold drink, and that's heaven on earth to me. And so it's going to look very different person by person. But the heart of Sabbath is, uh, Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made for you. It's the gift of God to you. 
And so what would it look like to receive a day off as the gift that God has created it to be for the refreshing and the renewal of your soul? So let's pull a few things out of our text today. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. That's how the commandment starts. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The word holy uh, has lots of different meanings, connotations to it. It means uh, sacred. It means set apart. It typically means set apart for the Lord or for the purposes of God or for the purposes of the kingdom. Uh, at its root, the word holy, all it really means is different. It means there is something that is different than the other things. When we say God is holy, we are saying you are unlike anything else in all of creation. When we say we are God's holy people, that we are different people than the world around us. We should look different and act different and talk different. But the, the, to be set apart, to be different, uh, when you talk about Sabbath, that if one day a week is to be holy, then one day a week is to be different. The rhythms of the day are to be completely different. The feel of the day, the vibe of the day, is to be completely different than the other six days. And so if six days are for work, one day is to be for no work. If six days are for getting up early, maybe one day is for sleeping in. If six days are you don't go to church, then that one day maybe you do go to church. And for many of us, our Sabbath will be Sunday, although not everybody, because our schedules don't always work out that way. But to be different, one day a week, one day is to be completely different than all of the other days. And so the question to start off is, is your Sabbath day different? than the other days of the week? Is it noticeably different? Is it noticeably set apart? Is it noticeably holy? Is it noticeably different than the other days of the week? The Jewish Sabbath is on Saturday. It's not on Sunday. Christians began celebrating Sunday because that was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And so it shifted over time. But for Jewish people, their Sabbath actually begins on Friday, uh, Friday night at dinner time, Friday at sundown. And it goes until Saturday at sundown. And it typically starts on Friday night with a big meal. And there's a lot of symbolism to the meal. And family gets together. It's a time for feasting, which we'll come back to. But the idea is that for those 24 hours, it is going to look completely different than any other day of the week. And we'll talk a bit more about how that can happen as we go. Verse 9 and 10. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Somebody say all. all. Do all your work on the six days. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Somebody say any. any. Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town. So like you're not allowed to say, I'm taking my Sabbath, but I'm sending my kids out to do all the work. Like the Sabbath is for everybody. Everybody, even the animals, get a day off. And we know things now that they didn't know back then, but just about the importance of, oh, you know what? The muscles in our body need time to regenerate. Uh, and, and, you know, they've learned that even with animals, like if they work every single day, they'll actually be less productive if they don't have some time to rest. And so no one is allowed to do anything. On six days, you can do all of your work. And I did the math on this. I'm not a math guy, goodness knows. But uh, the math on that is 86% of the time you work and you work hard. 86% of your waking hours. So there's still lots of time to work, is the point. Most of the time, we should be working. And Scripture says, whatever we are working at, we should do it as unto the Lord, right? We don't just do it the bare minimum. Like, we always go above and beyond. Because I'm not actually working for a boss. I'm working for Jesus. I'm not, actually, I'm not actually serving whoever. I'm actually serving the Lord, ultimately. So whatever I do, I go above and beyond. I work hard because I'm doing it as unto the Lord. And most of our waking hours, that's what we get to do. 
Most of the time, we get to, to do work and we are called to do work. And so the other 14%, that one day, again, is to be completely different. We don't work hard on that day. We don't do that at all. And that takes a little bit of planning. It takes a little bit of coordination to say, okay, well, if that one day is going to be a day off, that means I have to organize my life in such a way that those six days uh, are where all the work is happening. Because uh, it's going to mean if Sunday is my day off, if Sunday is my Sabbath, then uh, I'm not going to be doing laundry that day. And I'm not going to be doing chores that day. And the kids aren't going to be doing homework that day. Like, we're actually going to have a day that truly is restful. So we're going to have to do that stuff on Saturday or make sure it gets done on Monday. It does take a little effort to make this work. But to honor that day as holy, to honor it as set apart, uh, is to embrace that principle. And we're actually really blessed in our culture right now because somewhere uh, in the early 20th century, they came up with this idea of the weekend. It wasn't just about one day off. Most of us get two days off. And so Saturday can be a work day, a chore day. Saturday can be a day we do all the other stuff. Friday or Sunday, if that's your Sabbath, is going to be that day of rest. And so we have to figure out the way that that's going to work. And it's not just about uh, taking a break from your career. It's not just about if, you're t if you have a day job that you're taking a break from that. It's all labor. And if you're a stay-at-home parent, it's all of your labor too. You shouldn't be cooking that day. You shouldn't be doing laundry that day. Like there needs to be a day of rest for everybody. And so there's lots of time to get the work done. We can't say that there's not enough time. Most of the time, we can do that. And sometimes people say, well, if I had to lose that day, then just I would lose all of this, all this time and stuff would fall behind. But that's just honestly not how it works. It's kind of like with tithing, where I give 10% into the kingdom of God. Uh, in theory, I should have more if I keep 100% for myself. But if I have 90% and God's blessing, whew, does that ever go further? than hoarding it myself. And it's the same with our time. You can do more in six days with God's blessing than you can do in seven days entirely on your own strength. It just happens. And so we honor the commandment that God has called us to. God takes this so seriously that a few chapters later in Exodus, he says this, 31:15, whoever does any work on the Sabbath is to be put to death. And that happens in God's word. That there's a man out, they find him collecting firewood on the Sabbath, and he is put to death. And you go, wow, wow, seems a little extreme. And we don't enforce that here, just officially, so you know, at Meadowbrook Church. That's not church policy. And we're not under the age of law anymore. That was a different time. It was a different covenant. We're not there today. And, and part of it, I think, why the severity for that commandment? It doesn't seem that serious. Part of it was, it was a Sabbath to the Lord. And to dishonor the Sabbath was to dishonor him. That's part of it. I also just wonder, and this is just my speculation, if he knew that if the consequence wasn't serious, we just weren't going to honor that day. Right? We're so driven to get stuff done. We think we're so important. The world can't possibly spin without us. If I don't do the laundry, who will? That the consequence needed to be severe. I don't think it says as much about God as maybe it says about us. And just we needed a strong boundary there. Otherwise, we were probably not going to honor that day. And I can say that with authority because it's really easy to not honor that day. 
And I think that's something that we all probably struggle with a little bit, uh, at least in some sense. And so we take it seriously because God's word takes it seriously. We don't take it this seriously, but we take it seriously because it's obviously really important to God. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. And so uh, the commandment gets grounded in creation. And if you remember the creation story from Genesis 1 and 2, that God over six days creates different parts of creation. He creates the light and he creates the land and he creates the water and he creates the fish and he creates the plants and he creates the animals and he creates man and woman and then that's all done by the end of the sixth day and then Genesis chapter 2 verse 2 and 3 says by the seventh day God had finished the work he'd been doing so on the seventh day he rested from all his work then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done and it's not that God rests like we rest I mean God is not human he is not flesh it's it's not like he needed a break at that point but Jesus would say the Sabbath was made for man like God's setting an example for us here it's not that he was so exhausted he needed the break he knew we were gonna need a break and so God rests on the seventh day, and it's his way of saying, I'm God, and I'm still going to rest on this day. You're not God. You need to rest way more than I do. But if even God takes a day off, you're not more important than God, right? You are not greater than God. And so you need a day off much more than he ever did. And so part of, you know, where we work and we work and we work and part of where we feel like, well, I just, if I don't do it, no one will do it. Or, or if I don't get it done, then it's just going to, you know, have to get done on Monday. So I might as well just do it today. And all of the different excuses that we make, uh, it's not always what it, we try to make it look like, which is just, oh, I'm just working so hard. You know what? I just have such a good work ethic that that's why I'm not stopping. Sometimes when I get together with groups of pastors, you know, at denominational stuff, this has happened for years in different places, uh, the conversation is almost like who hasn't had a day off in the longest amount of time? And it becomes almost like a one-upsmanship thing of just, you know, like, oh yeah, like church life's so busy, I haven't had a day off in six weeks. Oh yeah, well, I haven't had it in eight weeks and I had to come home early from my holidays because of this or that. And it almost becomes a, a boastful thing of like, we're working so hard for Jesus like, look how admirable that is, all right? We're working so hard for Jesus, we haven't seen our kids in eight weeks. Isn't that great, everybody? Hallelujah, amen. And, you know, where we can feel like, well, if I don't do it, no one will do it, or, or again, the excuses that we make, it's not actually good work ethic, it's actually human arrogance. It's actually arrogance for me to feel like, if I don't do it, no one will do it, like the world could not possibly Stop turning without me being there to do the job. If I don't do it, no one will do it. You know who didn't feel that way? God. When he took the Sabbath day off, if God can rest, you're not more important to this creation than God is, right? That's the point of the commandment. If he can take a day off, you can very easily take a day off. And so we look to his example. The world will turn without us for 24 hours. And I got in the habit a couple of years ago of, uh, on my Sabbath day, which for me is Friday, just because Sunday's a work day for me, um, my work email goes off. My social media goes off. I go, I'm not going to be connected to, to work stuff, for, just for a day. And I leave my phone on. I'll break it if there's an emergency, and a, a legitimate emergency. But other than that, uh, I'm going to disconnect. And for years, I went, you know what, I'll just keep checking in. I won't answer the emails. That was my boundary. I won't answer work emails, but I'll keep up on them throughout the day. And then realizing that's not really rest. 
Because every time I check in, my mind is there, and I am, I am at work mentally for a little while, at least. And so we all need to figure out what are our boundaries going to be, and how is life going to look if this is the way, and what are household chores going to look like if we take Sunday off the table, or whatever your Sabbath is. But to not fall into the trap of thinking, hey, I just, I'm going to do this job real quick, and then it'll be done, or I'm going to check that email real quick, and then it'll be over. Like, no, you're not more important than God. And God understood the world will keep spinning without me. And if it could keep spinning without him actively working, it can keep spinning without you actively working because we are not more important than God. So there's a humility involved in Sabbath. Part of the humility is I'm acknowledging I'm not the most important person on earth. I'm acknowledging that I can take a step back and everything will be just fine. I'm acknowledging that I'm not getting my fulfillment and my identity just from my work and what I do. I'm acknowledging that I can truly rest. I can turn it off. I can truly take a day for refreshing and everything will be just fine. Our passage ends, verse 11b, Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And that word blessed, like there is blessing involved when we rest the way we're supposed to. There's blessing on the day. God blesses you when you do it. When you take that day and you make it holy. When you set apart that day and you take that time off. So what do we do with it then? And, and I preached on this a few years ago, and we emphasized last time that in the days of Jesus, Sabbath had become a work almost. There were so many rules and obligations around it that Sabbath became very stressful because it was just, you can do this, but not this, and you can do that, but not too much. And there were all of these rules around it. And Jesus kind of undoes all of that by saying, guys, the Sabbath was made for you. It wasn't made for you to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath was there for you. The gift is there for you. The blessing is there for you. So what do you want to do with your Sabbath? And if you were a Jewish family, uh, this is what it would look like. The Sabbath, first of all, is for faith. It is a day of faith. It's a day where they go to temple. For most of us, it's a day that we come to church. It is a day for the Lord. It is a day to encounter him in a different way than you encounter him most other days of the week. It's not that we shouldn't read our Bibles or pray, of course, the other six days. But one day a week is to be different. One day a week is to look different. And so the Sabbath is a day for faith. It is a day to connect with the Lord in a way that you don't normally connect with him the other six days a week. It is a day for family. It's a day for friends. Part of working, part of going to school, is that we're pulled apart from our family. On the Sabbath, the family can come together because everybody is taking a rest from whatever it is that they are doing, whether it's work or school or chores around the house or whatever. And so whatever it is for your family, for your group of friends that is refreshing, it's a day for that. And as we said, often the, the Sabbath will start for a Jewish family with a big meal, which is the next one. The Sabbath is a day for food. It's a day for feasting. Sabbath in a Jewish family starts with a feast. Friday night, you do a great big meal, and you have friends and family over. The nice thing about a great big meal, what does a huge meal have at the end of it when it's all done? Leftovers. No one has to cook the next day. No one has to work. And so it's a day for feasting. It is a day where, where we are to understand that part of uh, the joy of this life is that food is delicious, and we can celebrate that. Now, here's the thing. If one day a week is for feasting, that means six days a week are not. 
If one day a week is to enjoy food in a new way and, and to enjoy just the delicacy of food and, and enjoy the richness of food, uh, then that's good, that's okay. But that means six days a week, food is not that. And this has been helpful for me in the last couple of years as I've been trying to get healthier, is that for six days a week, we exercise, we eat well, we, we discipline, we work our bodies, right? We work hard, 86% of the time. And then one day a week is for feasting. And I'll tell you, that is something to look forward to with Sabbath. It becomes something of like, okay. And so Sarah and I on Friday, which is my Sabbath, you know, we do date night. We usually buy maybe a special cut of meat or do something a little differently. Uh, we get a rich dessert, which we don't usually eat dessert during the week. Like it's a day to be different, for food to be different in your life. But we can't do that every single day, right? Because that would not be uh, honoring one day as different. So for a Jewish family, food is a very big part of Sabbath. It is celebrating together. So that, the Sabbath is for faith. The Sabbath is for family. The Sabbath is for food. And finally, the Sabbath is for freedom. Beyond those things that I just mentioned, it's a free day to say what is good for your soul? What is going to be refreshing? Is it going to be going to the park with your family? Is it going to be sitting and watching a movie together? Is it going to be going out and visiting with friends? Is it going to be going out on an adventure of some kind? Is it going to be maybe going to the mall? Is that something that you love to do? Like Whatever it looks like for you, you have the freedom this day to do whatever it's going to take to get your soul refreshed. And the idea being that we're not just going to run uh, vacation to vacation, but that every week we get a little vacation. Every week we get a refreshing. Every week we get renewed. There's a collection of Jewish writings called the Midrash. And it's not scripture, it's not equal to scripture, but it is uh, essentially commentaries that the rabbis have written for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. It's their unpacking of God's word, their explanation and application of what God's word is. And so again, it's not in any way close to equal to scripture, but it doesn't mean that it's not helpful and it's, it's not good to learn. Uh, and so the Jewish rabbis will still teach this concept today when they talk about Sabbath. And so there is a, an extra biblical story, and they'll acknowledge this is not scripture, it's something that was created. But in this story, uh, when God was appearing to Moses at Sinai, and he gave the law, and he gave all the promises of the law, and all the blessings that God was, was releasing, and all of the boundaries that God was putting in place, and there is talk of who God is, and there's talk of heaven, and all of these things, that Moses said to God, Lord, uh, heaven sounds amazing. Heaven sounds incredible. Uh, what, what do we do with that? Like, that seems so far away. Like, how can we hold on to faith in heaven for that long uh, when heaven just seems like such a far-off thing? And that God, in response, said, I'm giving you the Sabbath in order to give you just a taste of what heaven is going to be like. Hebrews talks about that there is a Sabbath rest for God's people, that there's an eternal rest coming for all of us, that there is a day when all of our labor will stop, right? There is a day when we'll be nothing but united with our loved ones. There's going to be a day where we're doing nothing but feasting in the kingdom of heaven. There's going to be a day where there is no sin and there is no pain and there is no hardship. There will be freedom, the fullness of what the gospel is bringing to us. Heaven is all of those things. And so when you think about Sabbath, really, Sabbath is meant to be a little taste of heaven on earth, just a little taste that you take a rest from your labors just like you will one day. You enjoy your family without interruption just like you will forever one day. That you feast together just like you will forever one day. That you are free, that you are renewed, that you are connecting with God, that you are doing all of these things that you will do forever one day. And when we can grab onto this the way that it's meant to be grabbed onto, then we're not just going to be sprinting summer vacation to summer vacation. 
We're not going to be burnt out and frazzled all the time. The Sabbath should be the highlight of every single week because it's a day for you and the Lord, for your family, your loved ones, and for the refreshing and renewing of your soul. That is what God has made it for. Come on up, worship team. We're just about done here. We have an email address here at Meadowbrook Questions at Meadowbrook.ca. And if you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to keep chatting about it, if you want to uh, grab a coffee, we're very happy to do that. And we encourage you to do that with us as well. So what would you do for 24 hours if the only criteria were to pursue your deepest joy? And that's your deepest joy in the Lord, your deepest joy with your family, your deepest joy in whatever activities that's going to look like, uh, whatever that is going to look like for you. But what would Sabbath look like if we look at it through, through this lens? What would it look like to say, what's a little bit of heaven on earth going to look like for me this week? What's it going to look like to say, this is a day that needs to be completely different than every other day I walk through in this week. This is going to be a day that's going to be holy to the Lord, to connect with Him, holy to my family, to connect with them, holy to my soul, just to be refreshed and renewed, where I leave all my work aside in every area of my life, and I truly, truly, truly become refreshed and renewed as I honor this day that God has given to us as gift. So let's embrace the gift that he has given. Let's receive it as the gift that it is, and let's walk it out the way that he calls us to walk it out. And this the plan that he has in place that we wouldn't be exhausted, we wouldn't be burned out, we can embrace it for the gift that it is. Would you stand with us, please, as we close in worship? as we get ready to head out this week. Listen, if you, if today's your Sabbath and you're like, oh, I really got to do my homework today or whatever because you weren't thinking along these lines, don't stress out about today. But take the week, certainly, to start to think about your next one and what that can look like there. And again, ultimately, it's whatever is going to work for you. Sabbath can be football and a bag of chips. Like, it can be that simple. It's just whatever is going to be good for you, for your family, for your soul, as you seek that refreshing. As we get ready to close, just a reminder, we have people up here at the front who'd be happy to pray with you after the service. They are trained by us. We trust them. Everything is confidential. And they'd be happy to pray with you about anything at all. Let's pray together as we close. Father, thank you for today, for your word, Lord, and for your commandments. Your commandments come to keep us safe and to bring us into your will and into your blessing. And so, Father, as we contemplate a day that is holy, a day that is different, a day that is set apart from every other day, we pray, Father, that you will just help us to wrestle through that and unpack that. What will that look like for us? Give us the wisdom to plan our weeks accordingly as we adjust, Lord, and seek to make this day completely free from all of our work so that it truly can be different and refreshing as we set it apart for you and for our loved ones and for the care of our bodies and our souls. And as we do, Father, bless the day and make it holy for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Meadowbrook. Wonderful to have you here with us. We will see you next Sunday.